Thank you, Pastor Kathy, for your reading, and thank you, Vocal Ensemble, for sharing with us today. In these times, peace has often been hard to come by for my soul and all of our souls, and I received a lot of peace in, in your singing. Blessings to you. If you've been here at uh, United Church over the past few Sundays throughout the summer months, I've been preaching a series of sermons on the classic call stories in the Old Testament, and uh, Pastor Kathy and I will continue to preach on these call stories uh, through the month of September, and today we turn to a really fun and uh, fascinating and frankly quite meaningful uh, call story, the call of Naaman the Syrian. Uh, in 2 Kings, who was called to uh, be in partnership with God to be healed. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you today and always. Amen. Have you ever wanted something to be spectacular. Some years ago, I read the story of a young 26-year-old man named Ernest who lived in East London. Ernest decided it was time to propose to his sweetheart, Leanne, and decided that he was going to purchase for her a $12,000 engagement ring. He purchased the $12,000 engagement ring and then, while still in the specialty jewelry store, placed it inside a helium balloon. As he left the jewelry store in London, a great big gust of wind came and blew the balloon out of his hand. And Ernest traveled around in his car following the balloon, hoping that it would fall from the sky for two hours around downtown London but the balloon never actually came back. Ernest was quite upset because he said his girlfriend said she was not gonna say yes until he bought another ring. And the London Sun-Times asked him a question, what were you thinking putting an engagement ring inside a helium balloon? And he said, well, I really wanted my proposal to be spectacular, so as I uh, was going to propose, I gave my sweetheart a pin, and she was going to literally pop the balloon as I popped the question. Have you ever wanted something to be spectacular? The most spectacular vacation, the most uh, spectacular home improvement, the most spectacular wedding, the most spectacular worship service. You ever wanted something to be spectacular? If so, I sense that you might be able to empathize with Naaman the Syrian in this wonderful call story in 2 Kings. Walk back into the story with me. Once upon a time, we're told that there was a war hero, a four-star general, uh, if you will, whose name was Naaman. Naaman, after a career of military prowess, uh, was diagnosed with leprosy, which was a skin disorder. Perhaps uh, certain joints had started to become numb for him, and if he did not get this skin disorder uh, figured out, uh, it might actually be fatal for him. And so he really, really wanted to be healed. And so Naaman, in all of his faithfulness, thought that God would heal him in some spectacular way. For this is the Old Testament. 
And surely if there's going to be a healing story in the Old Testament, it's going to include trumpets and fireworks and floods and perhaps even lightning. And surely God will show up in some big way to heal Naaman. But instead, a little girl, a servant in Naaman's household, comes to Naaman and says, Naaman, if you want to be healed, you're going to have to go to Samaria to see the prophet Elijah. And so Naaman, in a desire to uh, bring his expectations to God, to heal him in a spectacular way, uh, takes all of his possessions, we're told in the scripture, uh, loads up his chariots and horses, and goes off to Samaria to see the famous prophet Elijah. And when he arrives at Elijah's house, we're told he gets to the door of his house, and, and scripture tells us that surely Elijah will come and wave his outstretched arm, uh, abracadabra spectacular upon Naaman, and the leprosy will surely go away. Uh, perhaps even God's hand might extend down from the heavens and heal this man of uh, leprosy. And uh, you can imagine Naaman being so excited for what God was about to do. But once again, instead, Naaman opens the door and sees that Elijah is not there, but instead sends a lowly servant to fill Naaman in on something. The servant says, well, Naaman, I don't want you to be healed right here. I want you to go down to the Jordan River and wash yourself there seven times, and it is there that you will be healed. Well, Naaman is rather angry. He said, the Abana River, the Farfar River, the beautiful places that are right around us. I mean, surely God would want to use those rivers uh, to heal me, right? And he is very, very upset at this moment. And then once again, a lowly servant within Naaman's own entourage says back to Naaman, Naaman, if you were willing to participate in a great thing for God and be healed, then why won't you go about doing this simple thing? At which point, finally, Naaman lays aside his plans and expectations that are big and grandiose for his healing, walks to the Jordan River alone, bathes himself in the Jordan River seven times, and is healed of his leprosy. Friends, the most important spiritual lesson that I learned from the story of Naaman the Syrian's healing is this. Oftentimes, God extends to us blessings in and through that which is simple. I don't know about you, but in these days in which I live, I need to hear that message. I once had a homiletics uh, professor in divinity school who said you should preach every sermon to yourself first and just hope everyone else overhears. <laughs> and recently with the coronavirus, I, much like Naaman and perhaps like you, have had to lay aside uh, grand plans and big expectations and great things in order to live into a more simple reality. Uh, consider for a moment where recently in your life you've had to lay aside uh, something that was big or uh, great in order to live into something that was more simple. Uh, perhaps it was a vacation that got canceled. Or maybe it was a goal that you had for yourself or, or for your business. Or perhaps it was a dream that you had that was starting to come true or coming true and you had to 
uh, kind of live into something that was maybe a little more simple or, or some kind of plan that you had uh, that was going on the right track, but you had to, to take that and, and move it aside for a moment in order to live into a more simple reality. In many ways, I do wonder if in these times we are all a lot like Naaman. We have been called to take those great expectations that we have brought to God and to live into something that's simple. But what if, but what if God can move in and through that which is simple to do something rather spectacular in each one of our lives? In reading and studying this scripture, there are three ways that I sense God did something spectacular in and through the simplicity of Naaman's call to wash himself in the Jordan River. And I want to share with you uh, these three ways that God brought about that which was spectacular in and through that which is simple. And I hope that one or more of them might be helpful or encouraging to you as you live into the simplicity of these days. Uh, first and foremost, God worked in and through a rather simple plan to bring about something spectacular in Naaman's life. Naaman's plan, of course, was great. God's plan was great too, but it was rather simple. In recent days, I have been claiming more of the blessings that have come into my life, into the church's life, and into the world's life that have been spectacularly simple. Let me give you a few examples. I remember in the spring when we were uh, enduring a stay-at-home order, I was thinking about all of the ways my children were involved in various different sports and activities, whether it be uh, Nolan, my son's baseball, or soccer, or dance, or uh, uh, after-school programs and camps for the summer, and we were so excited about living into all of those great things, and then it's like our world shut down. And so uh, we were at Camp Mom and Dad for, for many, many days. And uh, one of the projects we took on is maybe the children would like to, to learn how to ride their bike. And uh, my son got up and, and he rode his bike after a couple of weeks and then we had even more time. And so my daughter got up on her bike after a few weeks and uh, we were just um, out of town uh, recently and it was a beautiful evening and we decided to go on a family bike ride. And I said, well, my goodness, wasn't that really nice? Wasn't that interesting? that something rather spectacular came out of that which was just rather simple. I know too, at uh, the church, this has been the case for, for me and our ministry together. I know that for the first 19 years of my ministry career, uh, part of what I sought uh, so uh, much was to gather as many people as possible in an indoor space. And I know uh, uh, more recently, I haven't been able to do that. And I've had to lay aside uh, that goal to live into something that was a little more simple. And it's been interesting to see how teaching uh, a small Bible study on Zoom has allowed uh, folks to participate that I never thought would participate because they couldn't come here to the church because they were caring for a loved one at home or perhaps were in a wheelchair. The same can be said about our worship service. There may be a few people here, but living into that simple reality has enabled us to put our worship service online for people to watch in Michigan and Ohio uh, right now. 
And when you think about it, that's rather spectacular stuff coming out of that which is simple. And I think it's true for our world as well. Much has been written recently about a wonderful book that came out in 1988 about the complex collapse of complex societies. Uh, the author's name was uh, Joseph Rayner. And in that book, he spoke about how some of the most complex great societies of our world uh, collapsed because of their complexity. He mentions uh, the Western Roman Empire, numerous Chinese uh, dynasties, and even the Mayans from many, many centuries ago. And part of what may be happening in our world is this kind of return to simplicity. A simplicity maybe in taxes and healthcare and in every different facet of life. And what if in and through this hardship, a return to simplicity could bring about a better nation, a better world, a better culture? What's to stop God from doing something spectacular in and through something that's simple? That is one way I sense that God worked in and through uh, Naaman's healing to bring about something that was spectacular through that which is simple, simply by working in a simpler plan for Naaman's life than the plan that he brought to God. A second point that I sense from this scripture about the spectacular uh, ways of God moving in and through the simple is the ways in which very simple people in this story end up being great blessings to Naaman. For starters, uh, the young girl, who was probably about eight years old, according to historians, that was a slave within uh, Naaman's household, was the one who got the story initiated. And then the servant, who was part of Elijah's household, who told Naaman where to go uh, in order to be healed, and then finally, the servant who was part of Naaman's own entourage, who said, Naaman, you're willing to do something great for God. Why don't you just do something simple for God? Three very simple people in this story lead to a spectacular healing. Have you noticed the simple people in your life a little bit more in and through this virus? I know that a number of simple people in my life that I had never noticed before, I now came to know. For example, I know in our household, given all of the orders that we've made on Amazon in the past few months, we have gotten to know John, our mailman. And he's a really, really nice guy. And we got to know him and talk with him from six feet, and it's been a, a wonderful uh, getting to know him. And a couple of weeks ago, there was a very expensive package that was mailed to the church, and he put a little note on it and said, uh, Pastor Mark, I'm going to drop it off at your house because I don't want to leave it at church on Saturday. And what a simple blessing that came about through a relationship that I had never before had. Some of you have shared with me about the people in your condominiums, perhaps, over the summer, who you've gotten to know just a little bit better thanks to this virus and have been a blessing to you. And I know much has been written in our world, in our society, about how simple people in our lives and the depth of those relationships could be something rather spectacular that God wants to share with us in and through this. One article I was reading was talking about FOMO. Does everybody know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. And supposedly FOMO is uh, just runs rampant in American society these days with the advances in social media that we all have. And part of what the fear of missing out has done 
is it has created all kinds of relationships and people uh, in our lives that have been rather frivolous. And part of what has happened in this virus is that those uh, frivolous relationships and things have been pruned a little bit to focus us in on those people, not who we're missing out on, but who are already in our lives. And the blessings that have come our way in and through those simple people have frankly in my life and perhaps even yours been spectacular. God worked in and through a simple plan through simple people with Naaman. And then third and finally, my sense is that God did something spectacular in Naaman's life through the simple dirt of the Jordan River. Let me explain. The scripture passage here in 2 Kings is very clear that when Naaman is told that he is supposed to go and wash himself in the Jordan River to be cured of his leprosy, he is, according to the scripture that Pastor Kathy read for us just a few moments ago, rather angry about this and brings up the fact that the Abana and Farfar rivers are nearby. The reason why historians believe that Naaman wanted to wash himself in those two rivers is because, quite frankly, they were absolutely stunningly beautiful. In fact, in Greek culture, they used to refer to the Abana River as the Farfar River. Uh, I'm sorry, as the Golden River. And so Naaman wanted to be in this Golden River in this moment in order to be healed of his leprosy. You might think about today, uh, Naaman receiving this word from God that he's going to be healed and wanting to be healed of his leprosy, and thinking about where that is going to happen, you know, someplace where there can be spectacular trumpets and a huge crowd and perhaps the most beautiful, uh, golden, pristine uh, place imaginable. So maybe think at 8.19 p.m. as the sun is going down on the crescent beach of Marco Island. But instead of the healing happening there, someone coming to you and saying, no, it's not going to happen there. You're going to have to go to Lake Okeechobee. <laughs> and it is in and through that dirty river, the Jordan River, that God ends up working something spectacular in Naaman's life. And when I think about that version of God that is presented to me here in this scripture, part of what I say is, wow, you know, the God that is marvelous and majestic in my life, that is beautiful, that can work wonders in absolutely stunning ways, whether it be through lightning or, or floods or amazing turns of events, is quite frankly showing off the dimension of his personality here. I can work in and through that which is spectacular, yes, but I can also work in and through that which is dirty in people's everyday lives. And so what I learned from this scripture is that God is willing to meet us in the Jordan River. God is willing to meet and touch Naaman's leprosy in a dirty place. God is willing to meet God's people amidst disease. God is willing to meet God's people amidst Millions who have contracted a, at times, deadly virus. God is willing to meet us in our loneliness. 
God is willing to meet us in the hurt of our broken relationships. God is willing to meet us in our worries. God's willing to meet us in our financial distress. God is willing to meet us in those moments in our lives where we stay up at night and say, what is tomorrow going to look like? What is the next day going to look like? What is the world going to look like? Frankly, God is going to meet us in our dirt. And it is scripture passages like this one that permit me to say that about God. That God is beautiful and majestic, but at the same time meets God's people in the dirt of their everyday lives. And as we endure more dirt and more hope and more pain and more promise, we do so remembering, living into a simple life, that God can enter into that simple dirt and do something that is encouraging and hopeful. For a God who's willing to wade into the dirt of your life and into the dirt of my life is simple, yes, but that God is also quite spectacular.